1: Hey, team, welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. This is Mark Ellis speaking, and we're going to turn you over to one of our all-time favorite episodes of the show, and it's the season of giving, so why not replay the holiday episode of Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong for you all. First of all, we have a very special guest with us on this episode. It's Billy Piper. Uh, I believe she was promoting Rare Beasts at the time, which is a wonderful performance. You also know her from Penny Dreadful, accomplished actress, musician, all that good stuff. And she was fantastic talking about this show that sees Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz sort of swap wives or at least living quarters for the holiday season. So you have... Cameron Diaz who's stressed out in Los Angeles and she goes to the English countryside and then you have Kate Winslet coming from the English countryside to a beautiful palatial state in LA are they going to meet significant others are they going to get out of their own way and are we going to celebrate Christmas and maybe even New Year's by the end of this movie and of course this episode of RT is wrong it was a fun one I, you could probably tell by the sound of my voice I love watching this movie I think it's an understated Christmas classic how do you feel how did everybody- everybody on the panel feel about it. Well, that's what this show is here for. So without further ado, enjoy the holiday episode of Rotten Tomatoes is wrong.
2: everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. It's your girl, Jacqueline, and back with Mr. Mark Ellis. Pleased to see you, sir, especially given everything that is going through the news and in our airs right now. Seriously. There's a
1: whole lot going on, Jacqueline, but it's always great to be on this show. This, this show's my norm. This is this is what centers me. You know, if our lives are a game of tag, I look at Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong as base. This is where... Oh, yeah. What, nobody can tag us if you're playing freeze tag. I don't know if you ever got into TV tag when you were a kid. Did mm-hmm. you ever play that one? I have not played TV tag. So, TV tag is like if I tag you, you're it unless you say the name of a TV show. I guess oh. that was hard to do when we were kids. And so if I went up <laughs> to tag you and you said Brady Bunch, then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm still it. I got to go find somebody who's n- doesn't own a television. Oh,
2: I think that one would be a hard one for me if you asked me to like name a vegetable. Like I'd be out after four. <laughs> Kidding, you're out after Uh, carrots, okay. I'm out after carrots. Uh, oh, or maybe name a holiday tag. Oh, that's why they pay us the big bucks because uh,
1: quote a line from the movie The Holiday,
2: (laughs) or just go down the holidays. I mean, by the time you get to Arbor Day, this is going to be hard. Like, you can get through Christmas and Valentine's Day, but like, yeah, quote a holiday.
1: I love that. So, if somebody tags me, I just think of any movie Gary Marshall directed in his last (laughs) 10 years of working, and then it gets really tough, but we're kind of covering not really all holidays, but like as this is the holiday. Yes, what we're it's the, the not a holiday. It's the holiday.
2: Yeah. And it requires the "the" because this movie is epic. Yes, we're talking about Nancy Myers' film from 2006, The Holiday. It currently has a 49 percent rotten score, but an 80 percent fresh score. Uh, audience score, and we have a very special guest with us this week. I cannot believe this. Um, any Doctor Who fans are probably literally like, <laughs> like with their earphones close to it, because you probably read the tagline. That's right. We're talking to Billy Piper, star of such incredible things from like I Hate Susie, Secret Diary of Recall Girl. Of course, as I mentioned, she was a companion on Doctor Who, and she's here to chat with us about her directorial debut, Rare Beast, but she's also here to defend and her love for our selected film, The Holiday. So before we bring her on, Mark, please, sir, if you will, give us your synopsis of The Holiday.
1: See, this is why I love this show is because we bring on people who sing and direct and write and <laughs> act. And all I have to do is give a synopsis of a movie I just watched again last night. And that would be The Holiday. So you have our two leads, Kate Winslet and... Cameron Diaz. Kate Winslet plays Iris and Iris is just not doing too well in relationships. She has this sort of on again off again with Rufus Sewell but she wants to cut him off once and for all and she feels like she needs to get out of town to do that. Meanwhile in Los Angeles you have Amanda played by Cameron Diaz who's like look my job I am this big time Hollywood trailer producer and I just got too many things going on and my personal life is a mess thanks to Edward Burns. I need to get out of town too. What do you know they find each other's places on a home swap website because this movie came out in 2006. A home swap website. They swap homes. They go on holiday to each other's places and they live it up for a week. Unbeknownst to them, there's a gentleman in each town who's looking for sort of the same thing. Those gentlemen are played by Jude Law, who's going to romance Cameron Diaz and Jack Black. Yes, kids, Jack Black is going to romance Kate Winslet. They meet. Do they live happily ever after? Well, at least until New Year's Eve, I guess it is one of the more modern classic romantic comedies, especially around Christmas time when this movie takes place.
2: Love, love, love it! I think they they end up falling in love and and heading off into the sunset. Since Cameron Diaz uh, does a movie studio company, COVID has taught us she can do that anywhere. She'll be fine. She'll be fine cutting trailers from London. Let's keep it real. She can stay Uh, in
1: Surrey. And my, I I think uh, shortly after February, they probably had some like weird Fleetwood Mac sort of romp with all four of them. And they just figured it out. And he's a
2: book editor. You can edit books away from offices. That's the one thing now it's like, now there was like this romantic comedy back in the day, go the distance about a long distance relationship that doesn't work. Yeah. Going the distance. Yeah. That one is not a thing anymore because we've learned we can be at home, but We're gonna take it back to the time when this would have been a separation and would have caused a breakup back to 2006 with a little segment where our review curation manager, Tim Ryan, tells us what the critics and audiences were saying about the holiday back in 2006. Let's do the little segment we like to call Two Minutes with Tim.
0: Two Minutes with Tim. The holiday has a particularly strong pedigree. It's got four big stars at the top of the marquee, and Cameron Diaz. Kate Winslet, Jude Law, and Jack Black. And it's directed by Nancy Myers, the writer-producer of Private Benjamin, Baby Boom, and the two Father of the Bride movies, as well as the director and producer and or writer of The Parent Trap, What Women Want and Something's Gotta Give. So this kind of thing is totally in her wheelhouse. But whether the holiday is a slice of warm, feel-good comfort cinema or a big slice of cheese is a matter of taste. It's at 49% on the tomato meter with 158 reviews but it does have an 80% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a Rotten Review, Mary F. Poles of the Contra Costa Times wrote, the problem with Nancy Meyer's romantic comedy, The Holiday, is that it is contrived, too long, and insufferably cute. However, in a fresh review, Carrie Rickey of the Philadelphia Inquirer wrote, it is a fizzy champagne cocktail that provides a pleasant buzz, many smiles, and Jude Law with the role of his career. The Rotten Tomatoes Critics' Consensus reads, while it's certainly sweet and even somewhat touching, the holiday is so thoroughly predictable that audiences may end up opting for an early checkout time. Anyway, that's the holiday. And Jacqueline and Mark, if you were a Melody, you'd be only the good notes. Back to you, folks.
2: Aww. Aww.
1: Thank you for that,
0: Tim.
2: I know. Also, I'm not surprised. It's 49% of the tomato meter. Remember this, Mark. The Critics' Consensus is supposed to reflect...
1: It the is critical the critical consensus. Crit- I like that fizzy champagne line, though, because that's exactly yeah. what this movie is. It's just a nice, pleasant first sip of champagne sort of buzz that you can hopefully coast on. We'll see how we actually feel about the movie just a little bit. But I think that's a, that, that's why Tim Ryan is the best in the business. Well, mm. well done, Tim.
2: Yeah. Also, an apt description for our guests. I think that she is also <laughs> like a little fuzzy ship, sip of champagne herself. And I am ready for us to give ourselves a glass that's right folks it's time to bring miss billy piper on to the program to rotten tomatoes is wrong where she's going to talk with us about the holiday this was recorded separately so have a listen to our chat with billy billy welcome to rotten tomatoes is wrong thank you so much for coming on the show
3: thanks for having me it's an absolute um pleasure in and and i'm Flaccid that you're having me on the show.
2: Girl, I can't believe you're saying that. Seriously, I, for all the other Doctor Who fans fainting, that she is like, you know, anyway jazzed at us. Let me tell you, it's the other way around. But we're here to talk about your new film, your directorial debut, Rare Beast. But before we get there, you want to go ahead and I think correct the record on something that I feel. Similarly, about, and that's the holiday, which is currently rated 49% rotten on the tomato meter, but it has an 80% audience yeah. score, and I'm one of those votes. So uh, I'm guessing you're thinking uh, rotten tomatoes is wrong because it's below 60% and it's not considered fresh, but Why is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about the holiday? Give us your your log line on that. Well, it's
3: so funny because when I read the list of films, I was like, oh my God, they they can't about the holiday. They just can't. And then when I started breaking it down in my head um, ahead of this interview, I was thinking, what? (laughs) Like, (laughs) The holiday is really, really great and satisfying at Christmas. But yeah. when you try and when you try and sort of fight for it for the rest of the year, I found it actually quite challenging. so <laughs> um, <laughs> so actually, um I don't know how much I can uh, pull you guys apart right now um on reflection. Um, but there are some things that I feel very fondly towards and um and yeah, I mean, let's talk about it.
2: No, we will. Um, and also, we've got a little bit of L.A. London swapping going on here. You're not coming to my house, but I feel it. Uh, yes. Mark Mark, did you I know you revisited this for the show. I don't even think I know your holiday thoughts and I know a lot of your movie thoughts.
1: Well, you're about to, Jacqueline and Billy, because it seems like Billy is clearly on the side of fresh. Jacqueline's on the side of fresh. And I just got to say, The Holiday is one of the worst movies to not watch at Christmas. I love this movie. I absolutely love this movie. Rotten Tomatoes is so wrong about this. I don't know why we can't have nice things. And look, is my L.A. apartment the best home swap opportunity somebody in London could have? No. No, it is not. But... (laughs) If anybody wants to come swap with me and take care of Molly the Wonder Dog for a week, I'm here for it. You can feed her and I'll go to London and I'll have a great time with Jude Law or Cameron Diaz or whoever's there. I love this movie because it's like we get two full rom-coms in one movie.
2: Yeah, mm, that's true. I do true. Love that. Also, like, real talk, like, I live in L.A., not in a house that is anything like the, the <laughs> gorgeous things that you see in Nancy Myers movies, but, like, Surrey, like, maybe I'm just the country girl. I was like, no, I'm about that, like, your your clawfoot bathtub and that kitchen, like, please, please. I, I was so excited out. but let's break it down. Um, we're going to talk it all through. We're going to make our case for why Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. Let's head on over to our movie talk section. OK, so the holiday, I have to say, I obviously think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. I think it's brilliant. I love Jude Law, Cameron Diaz and Jack Black in a, in a romantic film, too. Like that was just so brilliant. And of course, Kate Winslet is everything. But when did you see it first, Billy? Like when was the first time you viewed it? Was it in the theater? Was it at home? No,
3: it was at home and it was probably about a year after it had come out. Um, so I missed it. I missed the hype, I guess. Um, so I was coming at it probably with a flu because I always get sick around Christmas um, and I would have been watching it at home. So I was schnooky and wanting to feel um, uh, like a, a warm and slightly hysterical. and And I get that from that movie. It sort of plays. I am not sentimental at all, and you'll see that from my film. Like it, it's so polarizing. The the idea that I would like this film at all and make a film like Rare Beast, and I'm only ever sentimental with my children and sometimes my partner. Um. So, but with the, with <laughs> with when it comes to these sorts of films, I don't know, they just. They buckle me, um, especially if there's anything British in them. It just plays into uh, so much sort of sort of fond um, memories of, um, you know, living and growing up in the UK. And, of course, when you watch it in the movie, it's also h- horrifically far-fetched.
2: Yeah. But there are
3: some things that feel kind of um, beautifully familiar. Um I'm always happier in the movie when I'm in the UK. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh, I could see that, though, because I'm sorry. I don't I mean, Arthur's great. Like the 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 guy that makes her time in L.A. great, but they've left out all the other things that make it not great.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, she never has to, like, travel too too far. She she goes to, like, one dinner, she goes to one event, but she lives in a home that allows her to just be isolated, which is why, a lot like Billy, I, I, I enjoy this movie so much because I can identify so much with Kate Winslet's experience and Cameron Diaz's experience sort of in different ways because Kate comes to this beautiful LA mansion and that's how I feel when I go on the road to do stand-up and I get put up at like a really nice hotel (laughs) if I'm at like a Four Seasons or a Hyatt, I am going to play with the blackout curtains. I'm going to play with all the cool technology. I never have to leave the room and I feel amazing. By contrast, Cameron Diaz getting to this nice little quaint country house and deciding like, look, my heart's broken. I have no friends here. There's nobody to talk to. So I'm just going to make my own fun. She opens up a bottle of wine. She puts on loud music. She starts dancing around. I have done those things as well. Yeah. And so, like, the, the, the dudes are great. Jude Law is great. Jack Black's great. Eli Wallach is awesome as Arthur. But... I love watching these two women continue their romantic journeys. And that's from a guy who is pretty much at the end of his romantic journey. I don't have a soul anymore. <laughs> and so I'm pretty he's much. He's not just joking, Billy. Out.
2: He's really not. Like I
3: would I'm say
1: dumb. it,
2: but he's
3: his, his,
2: He's he I so. at
3: the end of our romantic journey. Like, can we do this any? More, but The holiday makes this? me believe
1: in the holiday. The power of the holiday makes me believe in finding true love. There might, there yeah. may have to be a home swap involved, but that's the, that's what a great romantic comedy to me does is it makes me have that fantasy in the same way. If I'm watching star Wars, I believe that this could happen in outer space somewhere. <laughs> when I see romantic comedy, I believe that this, this could actually work out for old Mark Ellis for a couple yeah. of hours.
0: No,
2: sleeping dogs now on digital that's sleepingdogsmovie.com dot slash wondery and it's oh. a
3: real reflection it's a real sign of the times i met i think people were genuinely a bit more optimistic when this movie was made
2: true um, that true right? like
3: was that when well, it was made 2007? yeah mm-hmm.
2: 2006 and that was what i was gonna say so i didn't see this in the theater because as, as folks listening to the podcast know that sort of like late two thousands to, you know, early two tens. That, that was the uh, lots of alcohol and bars days. I was more like Jude Law in that respect, but like every night of the week. And so like my movie watching was, was small, but there's a station here in the States that they play this as like part of the Christmas rewatch. It's TNT. They always have the holiday and Christmas story. And I caught it on one of those. And now it is one of these, like, I have to watch it. Every Christmas, like it's my diehard in a lot of respects, because I'm like you, I'm a pretty cynical about romance outside of movie theaters. But like inside movie theaters, I'm like, of course, Bridget is going to be with Darcy. Of course, he's you know, she's going to say I'm the girl looking for a boy at the end of Notting Hill. And this movie has one of those scenes, too, at the very end, which is one of my favorites. But Billy, what about you? What is your favorite like scene from the movie? Because I have a few, but. It's mostly towards the end. So I want to see if you have some maybe early ones.
3: Oh, mine are early, actually. Mine are in the office in the beginning. um, Because even though I've never worked in an office um, uh, and, you know, I do feel that these themes are slightly pushed, I just know that kind of woman... And that kind of man and that kind of environment on, on some level that feels so um, bleakly British um, <laughs> that um, I sort of relish that. I mean, it's really not the first scene in the film, but it's something that I feel particularly tied to just because it's all so um, hopeless
2: and um, and twee. <laughs> so that for to set it up for folks, this is early when Kate Wins' character. Like to to sing, yeah, yeah. Kate Winslet's character finds out that Jasper, the man who refuses to let her fall out of love with him, which is like a real thing, where the dudes just like keep her parked with like little bits of affection. Um, he tells her uh, he finds out that she, that he is engaged. I have a tip for you.
0: Excellent. A wedding was privately announced earlier today that I don't believe any other paper in town knows about. And I want you to be the first to report on this particular union as it is between two of our most esteemed colleagues. May I introduce the newly engaged Sarah Smith-Alcott and Jasper Bloom.
2: And she is never known. And she's just like literally heartbroken about the idea of it and i i do love that one as well it is it is one of my top ones cuz in addition to the bars part i was also iris and for the early part of the 2010s and late yes. 2000s so <laughs> he, and i have a feeling that's very was interesting maybe a little jasper probably not he's a jesuit boy i don't think you're a jasper but i got uh, a
1: little <laughs> look it, all cards on the table. Every guy's got a little bit of Jasper in him. Yeah. And every guy yeah. has a little bit of Edward Burns's character. But that's why those scenes are so crucial to this movie's because yeah. we are instantly rooting for Kate and for Cam- I'm rooting for Kate more than Cameron because like like Cameron's got this great gig and she's just really working herself too hard more than anything else. But I do love the scene where we kind of fourth wall it and it's like the movie trailer voice. Yeah. Narrating yeah. Cameron's like I just thought oh, that was like yeah, a cool that's trick. Good. That, that you wouldn't normally see in a rom com. But Jacqueline, as you know, I am my favorite Star Wars movies, Return of the Jedi. One of the big reasons is because we all win at the end. Yeah. And I love the winning at the end of this movie where it's New Year's. We just had Christmas and it's New Year's and everybody's actually meeting for the first time. Yeah. Because you had this nice home swap and you had great results in your personal life, but can we actually all be friends in real life? That scene lends me to believe. Yes, so the ladies can pair off and dish, and Jude and Jack can find something to talk about. The kids are having a good time. I love that the good time continues through the new year because that just shows the promise that this isn't just some one-off thing. We're going to have many more holidays with this cast. I want a sequel. Give it to me.
2: I
3: am with you on that one. Yeah, I'm
1: dying for a
2: sequel.
3: I Um, mean, just the concept is so unbelievably dated, and the sort of women just hanging around for men in the in this, <laughs> this really desperate way mm-hmm. now just suddenly feels so tone deaf um but um so i i would be interested to see what steer it uh, it would take in a sequel um, oh
2: yeah i wonder if they'd be like really we moved our entire worlds for those two and i would love for them to also make reappearances too cuz they they got to set the the other side of the story correct um if i was going to talk about a scene though that sort of like hits down for me i'm a tcm classic movie girl and basically every time arthur comes on the yeah. the movie i like my heart melts like i think of my grandpa who was literally sitting me down to watch tcm he was not working for louis mayer but i just i felt like he was the embodiment <laughs> I felt like he was the embodiment of Billy Wilder inside this movie, which if you don't know, he wrote wrote one of the all-time great romantic comedies, The Apartment. And I just felt so much of that energy in this. And so, uh, yeah, every time Arthur comes on, but the very first scene where she rescues him and and you see uh, his Oscar. And then also when he talks about you're a leading lady playing like you're the best friend. Like, that is a great oh, line. Like, you're not the best friend. Uh, those moments between Iris and Arthur. I loved you, Law. I love Cameron Diaz. There's so many other great moments. Cameron Diaz, like, tipping up the wine at the store. Kill me. Live. <laughs> live. I know that moment, girl. I feel it. Um, also, going on vacation and eating what you want. Like, that is, like, another emotion that I was, like, so feeling. Uh yeah. yeah that was a- what about you, Billy? Is there another that's sort of like when you think about this movie fondly, you're just like, yeah, this is the one I'm, I'm going to pull up on YouTube. Maybe.
3: Oh, God. Um, I guess the Jude Law arriving <laughs> um, just because it's so brilliantly cringe. It's mm-hmm. like it's <laughs> I don't know, there's just something so unbearably charming about it. It's and perfect. And then it's you're such taking- a perfect
1: scene. Yeah. Oh, it's the
3: perfect scene, and you're taken to this world where you imagine yourself at Christmas, and you're in this sort of cozy environment, and Jude Law turns up. You know what I mean? And you're going <laughs> to get leopards at the local pub. <laughs> and you don't have any sort of obligations, family obligations, and it's all to play for. It's a nice scene because it allows for fantasy. That's what I like about it. It allows you to imagine your life at Christmas like it used to be, like, (laughs) 20 years ago. Honestly.
2: And, like, it, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, like, this is, like, early days of, like, social media. Like, those two would have just DM'd for,
1: like...
3: Six, I know. You know
1: maybe six, that's why we like it so yes, much. Yes. Like it's treats. actual people meeting yeah. in real life and in different ways. And so like, yeah. I like in this movie, I think a normal romantic comedy is like a Snickers bar where it's, it's just everything's packed into one. This movie is like a Twix where we get two different sides and we have one relationship angle and then we have a totally different one because. The way that Jack Black and Kate Winsley get together, it's it, that's much more Mark Ellis, where it's like yeah. you just become friends and then you realize, oh, wait, I really am actually in love with this person. With the Jude Law arriving with Billy scene, it takes place early-ish in the movie because Cameron's character has just gotten to England. She's settling in the home. She's trying to figure out it, it out. She's trying to figure out how she can have a good week here away from work, dealing with her heartbreak. Jude Law shows up, and the genius of that scene is that we... Have been set up to as soon as we meet Rufus Sewell, we're like, wait, I I I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. And Edward Burns, is like, yeah, oh, this guy's got ulterior motives. So we assume the same thing with Jude Law. And it's a smart move by Nancy Myers to be like, no, I'm gonna turn that on its ear a little bit later in the movie when it's mm-hmm. revealed, no, this guy's actually a widower. He's been dealing with his own version of Heartbreak and he's got two little kids. And so it just, it, it's we meet a character. And then we learn more about them in the next scene, and it totally changes that scene when I rewatch it because this is one of the movies I'll rewatch every Christmas, and so it just lends a different sort of subtext to when Jude Law first shows up,
0: knowing what's going to happen.
2: Oh, and yeah. can we add a uh, Rufus uh, uh, is the great actor, uh, R- Rufus Sewell, who plays uh, the Jasper. But let's talk about a typecast. Like anytime he shows Stop. up in a movie now, I'm literally like, what's he about to do? So anytime he's like a good guy, I'm like kind of happy about it. I'm like, he just has all those faces like, mm, you might be doing some nefarious things. Uh, I know. Um, it's so interesting that we talk about Jack Black because, you know, Nancy Myers is known for these for these movies and for just movie uh casting movie locations like houses that none of us would ever be able to afford but like want to live in because like of course like Cameron Diaz's house is just so crazy over the top dream LA house but then also Kate Winslet's house is like the perfect most (laughs) idyllic British cottage that also nobody can afford like let's be real um but she's just like built this. I don't know. It's just it's an industry of of these type of stories, and I I find them to be really like I don't know. You just kind of love them, and, and you think of things yeah. like like the um, the intern and something's got to give, and it's complicated. Billy, do you have like a favorite one of hers besides this? Obviously that that what you women like. Want? Yeah, is that what we want? Is that yeah that that Internet? one? She yeah that is yeah. Oh, does she that, direct? Yeah, I think she, she may have. Written, written that one let me see
1: yeah she worked on it but i think that that, that yeah. was a, an anomaly for nancy myers because she, it, it wasn't her original source material. it wasn't hers yeah that that one i think you're right but uh, she did she, such a great job with what women want she did
3: such didn't, a great job with it because it's such a ridiculous idea but it's also something that as women you always go i wish you knew what was happening inside my head
2: <laughs> and, the, Real and, and also
3: I, but also the performances are so real yeah. that you are you are completely sucked into this um really big idea and really big sort of formal um theme and it's really clever but also really emotional
2: yeah and then also i mean like look i mean this is the woman who started with private benjamin and then gave us baby boom like yeah just like like let's really talk and Another thing, too, like Rob Reiner obviously gets a ton of credit for the Princess Bride. But that's I mean, uh, sorry. uh, Sorry. Princess Bride. Uh, Father of the Bride. Uh, that that was her screenplay as well. Like I just Oh my god. Yeah. I totally forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, like I said Prince said, Princess Bride, I meant Father Bride. But yeah, it's just like another example of, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a writer stan. Shock. A writer is a stan of other writers. Um, and it was also <laughs> why I loved um the like what you were able to do with with your film, like coming out of the gate, not just saying, Hey, I'm gonna take a script that I just got, but also saying, okay. I'd like to um, direct one as well. Also, before we get into Rare Beasts, I wanted to also tell you, Billy, you're not the only one. We have a book called Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. It's sort of like the precursor of this podcast. And let me tell you how like hotly contested the holiday was. I wanted to write about the holiday, but like there were so many on the Rotten Tomatoes editorial staff that wanted to write about it that like it was like, I think my editor Joel like pulled a, a name out of a hat and I didn't make the cut on that one, but it's a great essay. And if you ever get a chance, I feel like this uh-huh. is the Bible for uh-huh. you want to start a movie fight with someone, but also really love um, lovely movie Step Brothers. I mean, um I was I, like Willow is another one that's in here. McGruder is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever get a chance, that's like a good one that is sort of like, I think, an extension of what this show has to offer um, yeah. as far as like, hey, look, you know, maybe they didn't get the snapshot of the time. And that's what's crazy about this is it's it's a b- beloved film. Um, I have to ask you, do you have like a a person you've watched this with or like do you have like a personal sort of like because like I feel for me, this is like a girlfriend Zoom movie. A hundred
3: percent. Yeah. Like. Like no man wants to watch this film with except for Mark and I. I've had like probably four boyfriends since this um, like meaningful relationship since this film has been around, and none of them have wanted to watch. Um, They can do the beginning and then they're done. Um, (laughs) It's definitely a it's definitely a girl like you know just a sort of sad drunken girl fest. Yeah, I live for not it. necessarily just sad either. It doesn't have to be sad. It could be, um, it could just be giggly, giggly Christmas girl.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm down for it. Wine. There needs to be wine. There's a lot of great wine moments in this movie, and I think uh, I think we got to oh, yeah. keep with it. And you should show it to somebody that's Gen Z so they know what a blockbuster looks like.
3: Oh my god! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and people are smoking inside, which is just such a lovely, fond memory. You know. Like, when uh, you see it, like,
1: oh, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, back in the days before, I had to hold the table for everyone smoking. So uh, if you go out with everyone. They all go outside. And then you look like the ass because you're just, no, no, no. There's 10 people that I'm with. I'm taking up this whole table. They're all outside <laughs> smoking right now. Yeah. But I can um, watch this movie. I mean, look, I, I can throw this movie on at any time. And I don't, I don't need a season. I just, I think it's a good vacation inspiration movie too, because there must have been a boom in home swapping after this movie yeah. came out, because oh, it was I'm a sure. successful movie. It did over two hundred million dollars of business worldwide, wow. and so I think a lot of people saw it and they're like, I even if it wasn't home swapping necessarily. Can I trace back to, was this the movie that started the germ in somebody's brain to create Airbnb? I'm going to go <laughs> with that.
2: <laughs> hey, yeah, honestly, this is before the apps because I don't even think many people had smartphones at this no, point, no, right? Like, no smartphones. oh, God aging, aging ourselves. Look, (laughs) I could talk about this movie for literally hours, and I would, but um, we definitely wanna make sure we leave enough time to talk about your film, uh, Rare Beast, because first of all, like I said, we we kicked off by talking about the fact that we saw This is something that you wrote and directed, so um, I I just, if you can, um, set us up with, you know, what is Rare Beast and what do people have in store?
3: So I guess the film in like the headlines of the film are, I wrote this film when I, what, nine years ago, my second son had just been born and I was leaving my twenties into my thirties. And I felt like all the, the, the cultural messaging and the cultural steer was that we can have it all as women. And by the way, you should have it all and you should be really good at it all. And all I could, even though maybe there was some goodwill in that messaging, but all I could sort of see around me was like common crisis where everybody was attempting to do that and falling apart. Like it was costing women. Um, and there seemed to be this, re- and the, the beginning of this huge shared anxiety, which I think has probably got progressively worse since I started writing this film. I just, I wanted to talk about... Um, what it really looked like and what it costs to be a modern woman and, um, not sugarcoat it. And, and, you know, it's heightened as a movie, I think, but it's, it's dealing with sort of, um, It's quite divisive in a way, this film. Um, And it will entirely depend on what you've experienced in your life as to whether you can marry with these characters because you're meeting them and they're all at the end of their rope and they're really, really coarse with each other. But... That they have nothing to lose, and you you get that from the beginning, and so it's just a journey. It's a journey of a sort of modern relationship, and and not just a sort of romantic relationship, but the, a relationship with the, the protagonists, with herself, and her her own sense of worth and self being um, uh, uh, self care
1: i will preface this question by by saying you've you've known me for about 20 minutes now billy I, you probably can already tell i'm super lazy and so <laughs> it is it, it is beyond me to think about how somebody can it can can write something like this can star in something like this but the directorial aspect of this it's your directorial debut where does the energy come from? Because it's just got to be such a a little of it must be trial and error. But like, I'm just so in awe of people who can direct and who can lead and can just get an entire crew to seek out this one vision that started with you. So what was that process like? What were some of the surprises, the curveballs that you didn't expect being your first feature that you directed?
3: Um. OK, so. The curveballs were, well, the first challenge was getting it financed because on paper this film is like, are you joking? There's there's four very unlikable characters. It's really theatrical. Um, It's it's very aggressive and it's even worse when you just cold read it. So there's so that was a challenge of getting the right person behind it to champion it and and convince wealthy people to give us their money. Um, (laughs) That was hard, but it's a game of nerves making an independent feature. And I've been in them as an actor, and you're not, you know, it doesn't really touch the sides. You know what I mean? As an actor, you're like shielded from pretty much. Everything, Um, and which is why we're all so (laughs) spoiled and gross. (laughs)
2: Um, And
3: and then, um, as a producer, even um, it's it's just a game of nerves as to whether the film will be finished, be made, be completed, be um, make it to post, have money for post. Then promotion, like so many things can go wrong when you have no money and no time, and what you're relying on heavily is goodwill from the crew. Um, you know, and that is a tall ask after a certain point. Um, so the sort of game of nerves of it was, um, that was that was the bit I found most challenging. Also, I was pregnant, so it was physically
2: challenging oh
1: come on this
2: is this is too much you and emerald fennel for pain and punishment (laughs) you and emerald fennel and i think greta too all like had these like crazy movies that they pushed out but i'm a fan of that um filmmaker and friend that i know and um incredible cinematographer rachel morrison shot this totally dope commercial about working moms because she's one of the big proponents for how that needs to be a part of filmmaking now making it yeah. where these female filmmakers and storytellers and so i feel like when women like you do that it's like look you didn't lose your ability to craft stories just because you're incubating a human and it just makes what you did even more and serena williams for winning a tennis tournament too like that one's like crazy dope I, have, I like have a hard time getting out of bed each morning so the fact <laughs> are able to do all of those other things in combination i again super women literally uh but also since this is a directorial debut and you talked about this earlier i guess it's a gift that you've had such this incredible career because you've gotten to work with both you know um in television and in film these directors that you can pick up things from but i could also say it's like but it's also sort of like you know but not this like it's like when you get engaged and you go to a bunch of weddings and you're like not this. Um, what yeah. was something <laughs> that you sort of saw that you were kind of like, OK, I'm really going to take this great thing and what not be what was something you don't have to say to the person um, where you're like, when I get on set behind the camera, this is this is not the way I want to really execute it. Because I think that's beneficial, both what to do and what not to do.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I certainly know how to talk to actors, at least I think I do. I find that more often than not directors probably because of the nature of the job, which is where you sit back and look at things and observe and you're voyeuristic. On, and there's always seems to be some sort of social um, delay with directors where like they just totally, um, not all of them, but a lot of them aren't always socially adept to deal with very sensitive people, which is, Actors, you know, like it's crazy to me. Some of the things that directors say to actors to get what they want sometimes it works, but it but but sometimes it really 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 doesn't. So, um, it, I felt very comfortable with the actors. I also cast it really well. I think I knew what these people could do, they have a lot of background in theater, and I let them just go with it. I didn't feel like I had to, um steer them all the time like they were really capable competent skilled people but you know I mean that was I guess that was my strong suit in the filming of it I that was something I felt comfortable doing and something that I I definitely pulled from as my own
2: experience as an actor it's getting the, very the dark
3: in my house. Is it too dark for you guys, or is it getting
2: moody no, now? No, no, we <laughs> can totally actually, see you. It's very, it's very amb- ambiance. Trust me. Yeah,
1: yeah the movie. night. Perfect lighting for me. It's almost like you're about to tell us a really scary story.
3: Hello. I I I'm looking at the little what the little image of myself. this is like me at camp. This is like being at camp now. <laughs>
2: I like
1: it. Digging <laughs> it. Gather around. Billy's going to tell us the story now. Um, <laughs> Rare Beasts, which is first of all in select theaters and on demand August 20th. So make sure y'all check it out. I guess my, my last question for you real quick, Billy, is Is it e- when you're writing something like this, did you find it easier to write for yourself or for other people?
3: Well, I guess when I was writing it, I didn't imagine me saying it. So it all felt like it was for someone else. Okay. Um, Even though I knew I was going to be in it i didn't imagine it for myself but it's very satisfying writing things for other actors it's really really satisfying yeah it's really really um,
1: (laughs) gonna make them say that Especially
3: your friends (laughs) it's really satisfying like putting some little things in there that personal gripes you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, that was the thing I felt about it because it's it's chaotic in so many ways, yeah. but I also feel like that's a female mind, especially a female yeah. mind that's trying to de- deconstruct whatever a dude is thinking, which again, that is like a math problem unto itself. <laughs> but like you really, I think, kind of captured modern dating in a way that like, I wouldn't expect given <laughs> like, is this like, were you just robbing all of your single friends that you would call over and be like, all right, bitch about this dude this week like what is the (laughs) yeah
3: (laughs) no actually i felt uh, not all of it some of it yeah Um, but some of it was from guys as well it wasn't just from girlfriends. some of it was like you know the male frustration with um not earning as much money as their counterpart you know Mm. or um Uh, oh me too me too like like just just some of them just not feeling it some Mm -hmm. of them being being very put out by this um modern um female uh liberation i guess um so yeah that felt quite um fun to expose
2: yeah it is equal like this is not Yes, it definitely dissects the the female aspect. She's our main protagonist, but this is more about modern dating. And I think that's why it's really going to be f- interesting uh, for folks to see it. It is out now. Um, Rare Beast is out uh, in select theaters and available on demand. Please check it out. Um, Billy, I, I cannot say thank you enough for your thank time you so and chatting much. about this. The next thing you put out, please come back. You can, you can take us to task for any movie. And I will have to say this, like, legitimately secret diary of Call girl is probably one of my all-time favorite shows like oh, i can wow. i can quote passages of it which is sad for me to say to you but i i literally adored, adored oh, that show dear. i am still mad you left him on that pier oh <laughs> I, know, I know like girl like you're lucky i like you because i was crying when i saw I that know. i'm just kidding <gasps> She's awful. <laughs> She's a racist bitch. But hey, you know what? But that made the story, and that's the character. Like, I can't be mad at it as, as a writer because that is the character, and you just performed it so great. And you don't get that beautiful, you know. Find someone like you and the Adele in the background if she doesn't leave on the Oh my god! <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Billy. Uh, we're gonna let you get out of here so you can <laughs> yeah, talk more. No,
3: I'm just gonna go to bed now. Before <laughs> I'm just I was gonna, gonna, get gonna get my say, my yeah, you just? Yeah, are just gonna go
1: back into the darkness like?
3: Jesus! I'm gonna go move into the darkness and tackle
1: a bear. Be very um, careful stumbling around in the dark. And this is this is the new crew for me. Yeah. This is the 2021 holiday viewing experience. We all need to get on a Zoom together and and fire up. We'll do a, a double feature of the holiday and then your movie Rare Beast. That's oh. that's gonna be my my 2021 holiday season. Oh,
2: and that's I almost a forgot. Very confusing time. Yeah, I almost forgot <laughs> Billy. Since you this. A movie TV buff. Is there anything that we should be watching? Maybe something um, that's over there that'll come over here soon. Is there anything you want to recommend for folks to check out? Like, I just started White Lotus, and whoa, that one is different. Mm.
3: I haven't seen anything recently. Um, I... Oh, God, I'm not cultured at all anymore. What (laughs) can I say? You have a newborn.
2: You have a newborn. You're allowed. You're allowed. I I really
3: have no recommendations.
2: (laughs) I talked to Tom. I actually spoke to Tom Ellis like a month after he had his kid. And he's like, he's like, I will talk to you about Peppa Pig more than I will talk to you about what's in theater. So you're you're totally allowed. I I will. You want to know
3: something that's quite sweet. Tom Ellis's daughter and my son are in a band together. Shut
2: the front door. Wow. And I love they're both a, of y'all. Y'all were great uh, interviews, both of you.
3: They're in a band called Galaxy, and they played their first show um, about a month ago. And they're really cute.
1: We're supposed that's to talk to them for a Lucifer. streaming That is
3: way yeah, better, better than a streaming way recommendation. Way the <laughs> fact that
2: your kids are in a band together, the talent, <laughs> the talent. Oh, oh, I love it. I'm going to tell him. We're supposed to talk to him for Lucifer. I'm going to tell him that we chatted. This (laughs) is so cool. I will. Okay, thank you again, Billy. This has been great.
3: Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
2: She's so fun. Like, seriously. Like, first of all, she's in London, and so she was way past her bedtime to speak with us, which I really appreciate, but she was still, like, tons of fun, and you can tell, like... Loves movies and I like her like dry cynical wit like that's that's my level of comedy nothing it against like you Mark
1: <laughs> we were doing our own sort of holiday reenactment because you're in Los Angeles yeah. she's in London and I just hope I wasn't the Rufus Sewell character I hope I wasn't Jasper
2: <laughs> I mean let's be honest we're all a Jasper in someone's story that is the one thing that life I'm will Arthur. teach us
1: i Arthur. Arthur in everyone's story. I just want to be the really, really old guy with some good tales to <laughs> spin during dinner.
2: Well, I'm not going to dispute that, but Arthur also worked at Hollywood for several decades, and so yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say there's some chapters he wouldn't want published. <laughs> 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 okay, before we, like, slander Arthur, the most lovable character in history uh, anymore, um, like, I don't know. I think that we... This is what's great about this one is... It's found a secondary audience, as we talked about. Like this is one, like I've seen holiday marathons. I'm pretty sure that TNT does like a holiday marathon. Am I right?
1: Am I wrong? Yes. Yeah. They will they'll marathon that, but sometime I think Lifetime does a holiday marathon. Lifetime might not even wait until like Christmas time proper. I think it's like the day after Thanksgiving. Lifetime is like open the floodgates. Let's get the holiday, let's usher in the Christmas season.
2: Yeah. And look, this is like kind of a timeless uh, show, but Lucy and our lovely researcher Mark Hoffmeyer let us know that there's actually a Netflix rom-com that is going to maybe sort of like like prey on this sort of premise, but maybe reverse it. It's Aston Kutcher, Reese Witherspoon, Your Place or Mine. And it was written by the girl that wrote Devil Wears Prada. So I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt.
1: Okay, yeah. Ashley yeah. Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon? Yeah. Okay. Two best friends I...
2: who live on opposite coasts swap homes for a week and see their whole lives change. Are if they going to fall the... in
1: love? Or are they oh, going to fall in love with other people? I think people?
2: Gonna, they may fall in love with other people. This is straight up disrespectful. <laughs>
1: I don't know if it's disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe did
2: it first, and we don't need another one. I mean,
1: look, it's it's written by the
2: woman who did The Devil Wears Prada. And anybody who can give Meryl Streep a line, that's all. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. If she had written Going the Distance, probably not. (laughs) I like that movie, but I'm not giving you the benefit. I'm not giving it the benefit of the doubt, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, Devil's Wears Prada is one of those things where, like, you made this. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Robert Rodriguez, he made Dust Till Dawn for the rest of his career. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. That's what got me to Spy Kids opening weekend, ladies and gentlemen. So there's certain <laughs> things, like if you make it, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So,
1: I'm sorry there was a lack of vampires in the Spy Kids franchise <laughs> to satiate your taste. But I mean, look, if you look at the holiday, I think one of the cool things that I learned behind the scenes on this, thanks to Mark Hoffmeyer, a great researcher, was that Kate Winslet apparently had never had a, a movie role written for her, like with wow. her in mind until this movie. Nancy Myers told her that she's like, hey, no, I actually wrote this with you in mind. And Kate's like, get right out of town. She's like, no, no, I I, I wrote this for you. And apparently Nancy Myers saw Jack Black in School of Rock mm. and is like, I just, I like this guy. He's speaking to me. He's communicating with me as an audience member. And I, I think in retrospect, it might've been considered like, I don't know if risky is the right word because I don't know that Jack Black would turn anybody off. No, I but... mean, for
2: a studio picture, yeah. Like, let's be honest. They they want to basically cast someone like Taryn Edgerton, who's the pretty boy they cast when they want to pretend that a pretty boy is not a pretty boy.
1: Right. And so Jack Black just walks that that fine line of not being the classic, yeah. like, look like a movie star, somebody worthy of Kate Winslet in our superficial judging eyes. Mm-hmm. But he also isn't so schlubby that her getting with him at the end, you're like, this would never happen. Like, you kind of believe it.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely believe it. But that's like, I mean, especially Hollywood at this time. Even Hollywood now, Taron Egerton is going to play Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors. And I'm just like, Seymour is supposed to be like a down and out loser. And I'm sorry, there's not enough glasses in the world that'll make somebody tell me that Taron Egerton isn't like a stone cold fox. Like, (laughs) But like Jack Black is great in this role and I think he's believable, but you'd have to imagine that they wanted more of that, like, sort of Rachel Lee Cook and she's all that transformation where you're like, do y'all not see this? Like, we see that this person is hot underneath these glasses, kind of person for this, but I like that they uh, kind of pushed through it on that one. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't say, as much as I love The Holiday and I love Nancy Myers's work, she does fall in this, like, filmmaker who never believes that anybody brown has shown up in some of these locations. Like she's got a rep for that. And I'm not going to like not point it out because look, I think somebody said Nancy Myers, the woman who shows you rich white people's kitchen (laughs) throughout various settings.
1: Um, Oh, I can speak to that too. I mean, I'm uh, I'm never going to own property that looks anything like even the Surrey house, much less the Los Angeles palatial estate that Cameron Diaz lives on. I mean, that is just, that's another level. I don't even know that I would be able to afford either one of those properties for like a week on an Airbnb. Airbnb.
2: Yeah. Those are Airbnb Lux. And I'm not living the Airbnb Lux lifestyle. Like, let's be real. Although I will say um, both of us are getting to a certain age. Somebody tweeted this the other day, and it made me think of this movie a little bit, too, because it said, I've reached the point in my life where I will never enjoy an Airbnb over a nice hotel. And I think I've reached that point in my life
1: as well. I'm there, but then sometimes you just get an Airbnb and like, I don't need to get into the culture. Like if I, if I'm traveling somewhere, I will put myself into the culture when I deem fit, but I also want (laughs) to be able to retreat to a nice static. Hermetically sealed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I I still want to be in a normal creature comfort hotel, which I do really enjoy hotel in the fancy lobby water, but. I think my, my final thing on the holiday is this, Jacqueline, is if we're looking at the future of these two relationships, I think that Jack Black and Kate Winslet's characters have 10 kids minimum. I think they do nothing but yeah. procreate. I think Absolutely. They, they, that's what mm-hmm. they do. Jude Law and Cameron Diaz would make the most beautiful children on the planet. I don't think they have one kid. I think that they just focus on the two that the he two has that in the he's private got? relationship. Absolutely. And meanwhile, Jack Black and Kate Winslet are making a whole football team.
2: I, I absolutely kind of agree with you on that. Like, they're going to fill up Amanda, the Cameron Diaz's uh, character's house, full of children. Like, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. She, uh, because, look, they're both, like, home things. Like, she's a book editor. He's playing the piano. That That's a lot of sex that can happen in between those two activities. Let's oh, yeah. be real. You know? I have a question real quick. Because um, you guys brought him up a bunch before we move on. This is going to sound really bad. Um, Arthur who you guys brought up a bunch in the conversation with Billy played by Eli Wallach. Can you tell me like why he's a big deal? Cause I remember like watching him in the movie, but I also know like, isn't he like a famous movie star or writer or something from like actual Hollywood? Like what's the deal with Eli Wallach? Do you guys know his background? So he's a famous character actor Yeah, from like old school time. So, like, he was in The Good and Bad, The
1: Ugly one. Um, he was in... Seven he yeah. was in. He How basically to, yeah. probably has the dirt on every major Hollywood star from mm-hmm. Clark Gable <laughs> to Clint Eastwood to whoever else in between. Like, he probably... And you see a little bit of it in the movie. He probably would it is just that guy who you just want to invite to dinner just just to hear the stories like i yeah. wouldn't I, I enjoy talking i would not say a word in the presence of eli Walk at the dinner table just because i want to hear everything that he remembers from his time in hollywood
2: yeah cuz remember like at an oscars he like came out He's no longer with us, correct? No, no he, I think he died a few years ago. But he actually was able to get an honorary Oscar yeah. before he passed away. Yeah, I remember that, and I wasn't—I don't remember yeah. what it was for. So that's kind of cool. Okay, thanks. Sorry. Yeah, his honorary Oscar, like honorary Oscars, are for the, your body of work. So like Cicely Tyson is another one who got an honorary Oscar. She was only nominated once um, and never won. But like the Governor's Association will be like the contribute the contributions that this person made. Um, but yeah, he's like a, he's never really been a, a, a starring role, but like. Um, just like a supporting actor, you know what I mean? And that was never really top dog, but he's been in some of the greatest movies you've ever seen. Um, uh, also, a uh, very short-lived Aaron Sorkin television show called Studio City on the Sunset Strip. Uh, he's in that one and has a really great role in that one. And I think those are the only things that I've seen him in. He's got tons of other credits, um you know, stage, film, TV. Uh, and I think it fits with him because he actually does remember those days of Hollywood. He may not have been a writer at that time, but he was that dude, so.
1: I got one, I got, I'm gonna save it. I have Eli Wallach trivia after we do Mailbag. I Eli Wallach trivia. Okay, I'm down for it.
2: All right, so without that, let's uh, let's go ahead and break open the Mailbag. From a member of the Ketchup Crew, uh, Joffrey DeAndrea, Joffrey. If I got that wrong, sorry. But I think it's pre- Jeffrey. Is it Joffrey? The, oh yeah, that's right. Joffrey's
1: the, the the evil king, the little kid king. But isn't that, that spelled
2: that way? Geoffrey.
1: No. Yeah, that's how that's how Jeffrey the Giraffes from Toys R Us spells it.
2: I I don't know. Well, Jeffrey no. DeAndrea, you know that.
1: I know because <laughs> I'm because I'm a kid that grew up in America. Wait wait. wait. <laughs>
2: I was never allowed. Did to you want up. to grow up?
1: No. Or were I'm you a Toys R Us kid?
2: Yeah, because there's a million toys <laughs>
1: for all of us to play with.
2: Yeah. Um. Anyway, so <laughs> Mr. Teantria <laughs> sent us a note saying, "Hey, RT is wrong crew. I'm a new listener and becoming a big fan of the podcast. Although I recently saw that Basic Instinct was at 55. I really hope you guys could break that score down." Well, sir, I think we should. And I think we especially should because the director of this, Paul Verhoeven, has several films that would be like key for Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. He, this is the man that directed Showgirls. He directed Starship Troopers. And he has a new film about two nuns who are doing lots of basic instinct things uh, back in the 17th century called Bernadetta that is going to hit theaters pretty soon. He also did the wow. movie L. Which um, uh you're yeah.
1: forgetting you're, for, you're you're burying the lead here, Jacqueline. Which
2: one? RoboCop. Oh, and RoboCop. Yes, of course. He also did RoboCop. Don't which is also...
1: And oh, and RoboCop.
2: It's it's freaking oh, RoboCop. Sorry, I'm bigger on showgirls like Me Malone. I've by the way, I don't think Mark knows this. I have a I have a showgirls drinking game that will have you wasted in 30 minutes.
1: OK, I it will play it, but you have epic. to know this going in. I and this is embarrassing to admit. I am a showgirls virgin. I have never seen oh, next the episode.
2: Film. Screw the screw it. Next episode, showgirls. Like, <laughs> why have we not done that? I am a showgirls <laughs> obsessive. I've seen the docs. I've been to the live musical shows. Wow. Me and showgirls are like here, like here. Uh, but man, that's good information. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm seeing. I'm seeing some Verhoeven in our future.
1: And I can get Basic Instinct to Fresh, I think. I mean, you have the famous scene that everybody is is aware of, but I'm a sucker for a Michael Douglas thriller procedural, whether it's Fatal Attraction, Disclosure, anything with Michael Douglas playing somebody. Now, he's not as rich as he usually plays. I love Michael. My favorite Michael Douglas is rich guy, Michael Douglas. But, you know, cop with some addiction issues, Michael Douglas, I'm in.
2: Any movie that has a dirty romance novelist in it, I'm down. So let's do it. (laughs) All right. What's our trivia?
1: All right. Our Eli Wallach trivia is he was a guest star in a few episodes of the classic 1960s Batman TV show, and he played a villain. What villain did Eli Wallach play? Now, keep in mind that takes out the Riddler, takes out the Joker, takes out the Penguin, and it takes out Catwoman. So what other famous Batman villain was played by Eli Wallach? Arthur from The Holiday.
2: Bane. Clayface?
1: Lucy says Bane. And I don't know any villains. Jacqueline thinks it's know. Clayface. I don't think either one of those villains were around back then, but Mr. Freeze was.
2: Oh, yeah. Mr. Mr. Freeze. Mr. And now Freeze. I need to go back and watch
1: those episodes. Yeah.
2: I'm I'm Batman 60. The only thing I remember is that they did the Watusi. I have so, like that that show is, <laughs> I mean, I know more now, like when I think of Adam West now, I think of him on Family Guy being like, yep. Adam
1: yep. West. He's pretty great. Pretty great in a family guy.
2: Uh, okay, that's a good one. Stumped us both. Uh, thank you all again for listening. We want to definitely thank Billy Piper. You all can check out Rare Beasts. It's playing select theaters and on streaming on VOD. Uh, also want to thank the illustrious crew back here at Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. We have Brian Pettas, Producer Lucy, and my partner in crime, Mr. Mark Ellis. Wherever you're listening to us, please, please, please rate, subscribe, follow. I don't even know, are there stars and hearts where you're listening? Just make sure folks know that you're a fan of the podcast. And if you have a suggestion for us for a film that we should break down next, please email us at rtiswrong at tomatoes. And what we're doing next week.
1: Ooh, ooh, is it Showgirls? It's a surprise. Oh, secret. Okay, it's probably gonna be Showgirls then. (laughs) It should be Showgirls.
2: <laughs> showgirls uh, are basic
1: instinct. I'm going to have a good time either way.
2: I would too. All right, guys. We'll see y'all next time on Rotten Tomatoes is Strong. Bye-bye.
3: Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader: New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. <laughs>